Hey, I'm Julianne. And I'm Nika. And this is Only Slightly Dead Inside, a podcast that puts the fun in functional depression. We are not doctors, therapists, or medically licensed in any way. Definitely not. Nope. Just, just some humans. Just regular, regular humans. <laughs> regular. Is there such a thing as a regular human? No. No. I it's mean, like maybe, a... maybe like scientifically. So we are entering, we are entering into the holiday season, uh, if you are listening to this in real time, as we are entering into the holiday season, in the U.S. at least, we were sort of wandering around talking about mental health or talking about therapy or talking about things that might be uncomfortable for people who aren't as open about these things and maybe some ways to set some boundaries for ourselves and some some ways to have these conversations that are comfortable for both people trying to have the conversation. Did any of those words sound like words that should be in the same sentence? <laughs> they did. They did. We aren't coming to it from a place of having figured anything out. We're coming to this conversation, hoping to find a way to work it out ourselves as well. And what the only things that we are equipped to speak about based on our own lived experience is this conversation. When somebody asks me, what are you up to? In any context, I debate whether or not to tell them about the podcast, if I'm being totally honest. Really? Because, yes. I'm trying to not do this because the whole point of this podcast is to normalize it. I've got sort of different versions of my answer to that question. And I think that's kind of a jumping off point for setting boundaries about any of these things, whatever issue it is. I think it's helpful ahead of time to sort of figure out what you are and aren't willing to talk about. Whenever I'm trying to do something like that, I, I build out mental flowcharts. Mm -hmm. So it's, if this conversation is happening, then here are three different ways that it could go based on what another person is saying. And so if this is what happens, then like I have sort of a path I will go down based on like the touch point of what somebody else is saying to me. And gauging my own comfort level with that person and my own my own sort of way of being and how much of myself fully that I want to bring to that conversation. Yeah, that might not be like a, as helpful a visual. I like that idea. I think for me, it is both that and then making sure I'm listening for when things are about to veer off the rails so I can pull it back and kind of get back to what I've decided are my set boundaries. My problem is I am inclined to answer things quote unquote, too honestly, mm -hmm. in a way that is not necessarily that I'm oversharing all of this stuff. That's it's not necessarily that I'm making somebody else uncomfortable, but it's something that is making me more vulnerable in a situation where I am not as safe as I wish that I were, or this is not the right person to be saying these things to. They're not going to give me back something that's going to make me feel okay about what I just said. Mm -hmm. So it's not worth saying it in certain contexts. Like there's, it's basically the idea that like you don't owe people answers for most things. That is a huge thing I have to remind myself, especially when I'm around situations like this where I want to be like, hey, this is what I'm working on and love catching up and all of this stuff. You don't owe anyone any answers about yourself louder for the people in the back you really don't you don't owe them just because they asked yeah i'm a, a serial accommodator so the idea that i wouldn't owe somebody uh, not that i wouldn't owe somebody anything but that i wouldn't 
bend over backwards to make their life easier, no matter what it took for me to do that, is something that is something that I'm still working on, but something that I don't know. Sometimes I get really like ornery about it. Like if people are asking me questions that make me uncomfortable, I've sort of decided that if you are asking me a question that makes me uncomfortable, I get to answer the question in a way that is commensurate to the uncomfortability that you made me feel in your asking. (laughs) I love that so much. It's totally true. And I'm sorry if you didn't mean to ask a question that made me uncomfortable. But you deserve to think about why it did. Yeah. Like that Maybe person it makes deserves me a terrible to hear person. It. I don't know. Does that make me a terrible person? No. I really think that if somebody's asking a question and they are so oblivious to not realize that it is an uncomfortable sounding question, that it is not unreasonable for you to respond in a way that is basically serving the exact same thing back at them. Sometimes I still feel bad about it. Oh, it's a learning moment. It's fine. And also sometimes it's really not the time or the place to do something like that. But if it's a serial offender with Mm -hmm. certain questions or certain types of questions, um, then yeah, like I will, I will get a little, I will get a little cranky about it. The thing about most people is that they do mean well, but it's hard to explain to somebody who does mean well that maybe their words aren't the most helpful and then it's it puts the burden on you to gauge whether or not they are up for a learning moment and that sucks as well what you think about kind of what impression of yourself you're leaving with people and you need to be okay with people not thinking you are the most amazing 100 percent awesome person at all times because they may not think that if you are responding in, in a way to kind of show them that they're making you uncomfortable they may kind of be annoyed at you in that moment and that is okay right it really i I you don't believe me it's not that i don't believe you it's just that i have a hard time not immediately trying to make everybody like me yeah me too which is why i'm inclined to answer even though i don't have this sort of outward persona i really do like to connect with people so i really do try to answer questions if somebody seems interested i i am sort of flattered by that in a way even if it's just polite conversation that I'm I I try to give them the energy that they are trying to give me but I mean I know this is the thing that happens sure does not happen with your particular family with your parents because they're both in performing arts but the like what show are you in why aren't you in a thing like oh you should audition for this that kind of nonsense is like if anybody thought about what was coming out of their mouths and really understood it they would know why it's not okay yeah we have a we have a joke in my family called you know what you should do um (laughs) that applies to everyone in every industry you should do commercials oh okay if you were telling them something about your career or just anything you're working on and they say, you know what you should do? Stop fucking listening. Just tune out, start singing to yourself in your head, walk away. It just It's never going to be something you haven't thought of. And it's only going to make you want to be like, oh, oh, really? Thanks. Right on that. Right on top of that, Rose. Yeah. There is also another side to that. I remember when I was first learning to meditate and there came a time sort of toward the end about what to say when people ask you about what you're doing or why you meditate or if they want to learn themselves. My teacher was talking about sussing out what is worthy inquiry. So where somebody's intentions are 
absolutely dictates the kind of response to give. Yes. So also sussing out whether or not whoever is asking you a question really does have your best interests at heart or whether or not the inquiry is in fact worthy inquiry and it's worth doing that emotional labor. Yeah. And if you're not sure you don't whether, have to. You don't have to. If you are don't not sure to. if somebody has your best interests at heart or not, it's not your responsibility to figure that out. You can just stop playing. How about a nice game of chess? <laughs> Deciding what you are and aren't willing to say ahead of time is, um, it sounds sort of silly. And it's not about kind of pre-programming your conversations. It's just about kind of going back over this stuff so that you're not thrown off. I get thrown off constantly and I'm also like a terrible improviser. So having conversations like that that make me feel uncomfortable immediately put me in a state where I'm like, I don't know what to say and I don't want to say anything. And so now it's just an awkward silence. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. But the other thing is, is that sometimes stuff like that will sneak up on me and I don't know where it comes from. Like I was having a conversation with my mom the other day about an event that I had done and she was asking questions and asking questions and like I didn't really have good answers I like just didn't have good answers and so after like the fourth not good answer that I had given her she was like do you just do not want to tell me anything about this and I was like I it's not that I don't want to tell you anything about this it's just that like I've told you everything that happened and like talking about it makes me feel embarrassed and so I don't really want to talk about it anymore yeah and if it's somebody like you have a good relationship with and you can say I just don't want to talk about this anymore they will understand or at least they'll stop. And if they don't stop, like they'll get over it. One would hope. One would hope. One would hope. You can say, I'd prefer to not talk about that. And you're allowed to just say that. And sometimes it won't make them stop. No is a complete sentence. No is a complete sentence. As is no comment. No is a complete sentence. And that, that might be the hardest thing to learn when communicating with people, especially if you are an accommodator, I find that I walk this line all the time of wanting to be really, really honest about where I am and who I am and what I experience and the way that I look at the world while also, you know, not wanting to hurt anyone or make them feel bad because it's not their experience. And sometimes me talking about something that's bad it's not like it reopens that with some things it definitely does and some things it doesn't but the impact that it has on someone else then makes me feel bad because whatever it was is is a very negative thing that you've worked through but their immediate reaction is to try to either help you with that or or they're just reacting to you whoever you were in that state and you're no longer in that state in the present when you're telling the story it's less about story like i don't have stories i don't know i feel like we always but not necessarily because i feel like you and i always talk about what if we tell a story about this or what if we tell a story about that and you always are prepared with something and because i've spent so much of my life in a dissociative state and in a state of panic i don't have stories because i don't have memories i remember general washes of feeling but I don't remember specific things. Generally, that is how my memory works, but I remember panic attacks. There's only really one panic attack that stands out to me. That's it. Otherwise, I didn't know that that wasn't how you were supposed to live baseline, but those very neuroplastic years, I 
was inundated and overwhelmed and it has really impacted the way that I interact with people. I don't trust anybody right away. It's it's really fucking sucks, man. Yeah, there's certain just moments I can think of where or actually just to even try to think about when I've been in these situations when I have realized like oh shit, I didn't send it, set any boundaries for myself, which is of course at the time not a sentence I said to myself, but the panic moment like that's what it is. It's just I'm in over my head or I don't know what to say next or I don't want to answer this question and it always feels too late to pull back. Mm. It's never too late to pull back. Even if it pisses somebody off, you are allowed to take care of you at all times. And if that means stopping a conversation dead, then that's what it means. The first time it actually kind of occurred to me that I was I did not have to answer questions being asked. I was at my grandfather's funeral. This is my mother's father. They were not speaking when he passed away for reasons that I... I tend to agree with for my mother's health and my mother's sanity. But I went as I had a decent relationship with him and my grandmother who was still alive. And my sister, who's my half sister on the other side of the family came with me as like support because she's awesome. And someone came up to me. He said he was an old business associate of my grandfather's. And he said, where's your mom? And I started to say, oh, family stuff, whatever. And my sister like yanked me and she goes, she's not here. And I was like, huh? And she says, that's the answer. She's not here. And then she kind of pulled me away and she was like, you don't have to answer questions like that. And I was like, but he asked. And she's like, it is none of his business. And he knows what kind of question he's asking by asking that. And I was, you know, 23 and a little bit naive thinking about it now. I was like, what a fucking asshole. Who does that? There's got to be some big reason why that is happening like why would you do that to someone's granddaughter at their at their grandfather's funeral it was just really fucked up but i wanted to answer the question i was so grateful that she was there to just stop it because it was would have been a extreme like such a hard it's a violation it's a violation it was a, a violation. violating question in that moment we should all be so lucky to be able to learn a life lesson like that because somebody was physically there to say no you don't have to do that i don't know when i'm trying to do that thing where i answer a question in a way that makes somebody as uncomfortable as as they made me in the asking i do i feel like a dick but also what am i gonna tell you do you really want to know why i don't want to have children or are you trying to like what are you trying to get out of me from that let's go right for it uh, yeah Yeah. i mean I, i don't fucking care anymore I have come to an understanding with all of the people closest to me on all sides of my family, my own family, my in-laws, my extended family, my husband's extended family, that that's not a conversation I am willing to have and I will stop it dead and walk away. And thankfully, you know, it's been a number of years and no one really has tried to push it which is great. And I'm super grateful for those people to have heard that and respect me and respect the conversations that I want to have. Because really, what's the benefit? And it's always like a casual acquaintance, somebody you don't know particularly well, but you know well enough, who's always the one to be like, 
when are you getting married? When are you having kids? Or why wouldn't you do this, that, or the other thing? It's like, who, who are you? Sometimes I think it's because they are genuinely curious because maybe you are some kind of actual anomaly and they don't know anybody else like you and they yeah. want to know. But in that point, they're not looking at you like a human person. They're looking at you like an interesting concept and you need to remind them that you're a human person. That's so funny because I think I always feel like most people look at me like I'm an interesting concept. <laughs> Like it's true. I, I get it. I really get it. It's true though. Like, like I'm not entirely real to somebody in a whole host of ways. Some of them not good. Some of them good. Some of them totally neutral. But either way, constantly reminding people of your humanity is exhausting. My stock answer now is the truth. And it is I remember not having a particularly great time being a child when I was a child. And I feel like that's a lot to ask of somebody else. And people probably really don't know what to say to that. They really don't. But I fully understand it. It is also on my list of reasons why I'm not totally sure what I want to do about this. Just the idea that I could inflict that that on someone is really a lot. And this is not how other people think. So it's really jarring when you tell them the truth about why you're thinking it. But like, if you're asking the question, then Then what do you think people are going to say to you? Anyone who doesn't have a kid has a good reason for it. It's so rude. It's just so rude. And I don't understand why it's casual conversation. (sighs) I don't either. That's the one thing I feel like I have a clear boundary around speaking about. I have super nebulous boundaries when it comes to people asking me stuff about my career because I it makes me feel uncomfortable. It makes me feel uncomfortable when people ask me about my career because they want me to have something to say and I don't always have something to say, nor do I really feel like making stuff up. Not us not making stuff up, but like making things sound like a bigger deal than they are. You're not always in the mood to spin your life. Ooh. That's really good. Spinning your life. I, I'm. We're both great at it. You have. You at a point. You sort of have to be great at it. But you know what? It takes energy, and you don't always need to do that. And it's rough when people kind of expect that from you. Somebody asking you that question, kind of a variety of motivations. But best case scenario, they're really rooting for you, and they want you to have something great to say. And you automatically feel like you're disappointing them. You already, I'm assuming, feel like you're disappointing yourself. So like, that's a whole. Th- thing that they've opened up just by being friendly quote unquote right and maybe they didn't know that but it's tricky I also don't at the same time don't want to throw up so many walls that I become difficult to talk to because that's also not how I don't know this conversation started about like how do you talk about going to therapy or talk about depression in a way that like you've maybe worked some stuff out of how to say those things, but the idea around going to therapy is still questionable for some people. How do we open up that conversation? Because I want to be able to speak about the way I feel without anyone else trying to fix, because you've told them the truth. They feel like they need to fix you. And or they want to give something back to you because you've shared something with them and really the best thing to say is thank you for sharing that with me and and, and move, on. move on 
and that's enough. And I, I wonder if some people think that that's going to sound dismissive. And, and I want to tell everybody that it does not sound no. dismissive, especially because I feel like people get visibly uncomfortable when conversations start veering into a place that they're not sure. And the kindest thing you can do is let them out of the conversation. Respond to these topics with less pomp and circumstance. Yeah, because you don't want it to be a big deal. Unless you do, and then that's a whole other thing. You are just, I don't want it to be I a big deal. I don't want it to be a big deal. So we can only speak from our own experience yeah. or to our own experience. So we can just say, I don't want it to be a big deal. Nor does it mean that you need to treat me any differently. Yeah. I don't need to be coddled. I don't need you to... Because that I can feel. I don't know. I can feel when people are then aware of the fact that I, quote unquote, have depression. And so they think they need to treat me a certain way. Let me set my own boundaries with our relationship rather than you stifling the conversation that we would have. I don't, does that make sense? It does. And I think part of that comes from people forgetting that just because they just learned something doesn't mean it's new. You tell somebody that and they then think they need to treat you in some sort of fragile way and just want to be like, but I've been like this for a long time and like nothing else has changed. Nothing actually has changed. The only difference is you now know. I'm trying to dance around the idea that I don't want people to be precious. I can make jokes and laugh and be the person that you thought I was. But now there is a thing, you know, like I'm still, this is what you just said. Like I'm still that person and it's only going to sort of fuck it up. I wish that the way that I speak about my depression can be, as normal a conversation as what I bought on a Target run. And that's maybe difficult for some people who don't necessarily respond to speaking about their own mental health in the same way. And it also like comes from a need for me to like be viewed as a competent person who knows what they're doing and knows what they're talking about. And maybe some of that is like overcompensating on my part. Sure. Fine. But I will be the most myself if I trust that what I say about how I feel doesn't change the pressure in the room. I just don't want you to feel like some kind of way. Yeah. And I can't control how other people feel. No. But if I could, I really don't want to position myself as an expert. No. Or as a person who has advice to offer because I don't no. know what the fuck I'm doing. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I The conversations that I have with people differ minute to minute and day to day. And what the way that I navigate speaking about depression and in trying to sort of make it unprecious, like I, I sort of have to think a little bit about what I place on other people, but I don't know what that is all the time. I don't know what that is all the time, but I just want to be able to do it. <laughs> I find this hard also, not just around the holidays, but in general introductions to people mm -hmm. like who are you and what are you about <laughs> the idea of like how much you're supposed to quote unquote supposed to distill yourself and like how much information you should be giving should here are questions you are allowed to not answer if you don't feel like it all of them all of them all any question all of them all of them because no is a complete sentence yes no thank you is for pie except i would never say no thank you to pie before we started this episode, I Googled setting boundaries for holidays just to kind of see what else came up. And I really like this response to various kind of boundary invading 
situations. Somebody asking you to do something that you really don't have the capacity to do, or I wish I could, but I really can't. Thanks for understanding. That's a good one. Or somebody who's really feels that they know more about you than something. I appreciate how strongly you feel about X. I feel strongly about it too. And I think it best we not talk about it for the sake of having a good time. Because that's just setting yourself up to be the bigger person. And then the last one, which I love a lot, is somebody when somebody's trying to downplay something that you've gotten upset about or you otherwise don't wish to discuss. A great response here. Yes, I get that you don't think it's a big deal, but it is to me. So thank you for respecting my wishes. I like the ending these in thank you in a way. Thanks for understanding. Thanks for respecting me because it really drives home the point of why you're saying what you're saying. I'm going to post a link to this, this little thing. Cool. With the episode notes. Great. Anyway. Do you want to start? Because I feel like I've been doing that lately. Only Slightly Dead Inside is Julianne Bilker and Nika Lanzaroni. Our theme song, Motown Mo Problems, was composed by Joel B. New and Robbie Roselle designed our logo. Find and follow us on all the social medias by searching Slightly Dead Pod and check out our website, slightlydeadpod.com. We'll be there. If you are in crisis or feel like you might be a danger to yourself or someone else, turn this off and call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or text the crisis text line at 741-741. Someone is always there to hear you and you are worth hearing. Also, side note, I finally, for the first time ever, saw Matthew Broderick and Sarah Jessica Parker in the West Village, and I was like, finally! I feel like you have to see them if Did, you're around. Was that like a, it's a bingo card? It is a bingo, it's a, definitely a New York bingo square, New York seeing bingo them square. in the West Village. That's like a side episode, is our personal New York bingo squares. It's true.